One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Cerrado el cabezazo, gol. Gol del Arsenal. Que el cabezazo picado y el estreno del brasileño Gabriel en su primer partido con el Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, goodly morning to you. Goodly morning to you too. How are you doing this morning? I am all right. This is a, an extra Arscast Extra. We're going to try and fly through this in about an hour because uh, we've got busy days ahead of us, both of us. But we want to address, of course, the uh, the magnificent penalty shootout win last night in the, in the Carabao Cup. Arsenal beating Liverpool. It was one of those weird games, James, where I was looking at it going, I, I, you know, I want to win. I always want to win. But I don't really care if we lose. And then you get to a penalty shootout and you're like, do them. Do them. Do it. Don't yeah. let them do it. And especially when James Milner, um, you know, did his thing after scoring the first penalty. Yeah, what that was that about? Them. Who was that to? Do we know? I don't know. I mean, maybe Burned Leno. Hey, fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry, there was a, literally a magpie outside my window. Oh, shit. Fucking Mourinho. Anyway. It must be terrifying. <laughs> but I, maybe Burned Leno? I mean, he was the only one who could possibly have been having a bit of mouth. He doesn't strike me as the type to go in for that kind of thing. Does he, Leno? No, he's quite he's a bit of a robot man. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit dry. You're going to miss and I will laugh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I am always the number one and I will always be the number one. Uh, I, I thought, I mean, he was obviously, you know, one of the big stars of the of the evening. Maybe mm. Arsenal's best player. Of yeah, night. sure. I like this from Gagan Jay on the Discord. He said, what is it about Liverpool captains raising their index fingers uh, that angers the gods so much? McMahon, Milner, it never works out true. well. Yeah, true. So there you, you go. Have remembered that. Exactly. Exactly. So look, it was um, I suppose an interesting game. There were a couple of aspects that were interesting about it, which we'll get into. Team selection. Bernd Leno starting. I'd sort of thought that maybe uh, Alex Runison might get a star, but Mick Arteta spoke afterwards about how you know he arrived late and has had a bit of an issue, so that's why Leno is in goal. Good thing too, I would say, considering <laughs> considering how busy he was. I enjoyed your tweet about the save that Leno made from the header, yeah. um, where he sort of pushed it away and parried it across goal. And you asked, you know, was could he have caught it or, you know, was that good or was it bad? It yeah, 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 yeah. Minamino, I think, hit the, the crossbar afterwards. I enjoyed the complete lack of clarity that the replies uh, uh It was quite amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, I think he could have pushed that sort of away from goal. Is that harsh? And I think if, the, if it had been a pole, it would have been about 50-50. Um, the Emmy camp and the Leno camp seem quite firmly established on social media. Mm. I mean... Is that something now that we have to put to bed? I kind of feel like it is. Um, yeah, you I know? think that's fair. I, I mean, 
it's inevitable, isn't it, that you're going to do that? But it's sort of unfair to compare him to Emmy Martinez, I think, who had such a brief run in the team and such a successful run in the team. It's kind of such a pristine memory that any comparison mm. to that, I think, is going to be tough on Burnt. It's kind of like, you know, um, when a rock star dies young and they don't go on to make all the really shit albums that they make in their 40s and 50s and they just have this incredible body of work that they've produced in their 20s at the the peak of their their creativity um you know it is i said exactly that in my video oh really like i haven't watched it it, sorry it's like when someone dies really young and it's sort of like you know they're they're a yeah pristine perfect you know memorial forever that will be emmy martinez in our hearts you know yeah um and every little thing that we see burn leno do wrong just because he's played a lot more games he'll be judged more harshly accordingly look we whatever way you slice it leno has been excellent since he arrived at arsenal for the most part and we have a very very good goalkeeper yeah and we were very grateful to him yesterday for sure i mean if we are going to carry on with this does that not mean we all have to watch every Aston Villa game and then, are you not doing that and sort of weeping through your hands as you do <laughs> it's just a bit strange that's what I'm doing. <laughs> just watch yeah. every Aston Villa game well Burned Leno could have done better you know he would have done better with that one you know the two camps watching look at what Emmy well, has yeah, done look yeah. at what Burned has done uh, someone, just, had, someone had clipped up uh, an Emmy Martinez gaff where he dropped the ball and mm. I think uh, the goal was actually ruled offside in the yeah. end, but he basically parried it straight out to a guy in front of him so you know everyone's coming to this argument armed I I think, you know, Leno, I think we have to assess him on his own attributes, which is that he's a really good goalkeeper. It doesn't mean there aren't things that he could do better. Um, but he had a fantastic game at Anfield. The other thing as well, and I said this on the blog today, is that the decision to let Emi Martinez go, and uh, Mikel Arteta said afterwards again, you know, we didn't want him to go, but, you know, circumstances were what they were. But that decision was made not just on what Emi Martinez did after the lockdown, which was great. You know, he's been at Arsenal for 11 years, 10, 11 Mm. years. They've seen this guy arrive as a kid, grow up, become a, a very good goalkeeper. You know, they have intimate knowledge and i mean that in you know the, the 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 purest possible way they know everything about him what he does on the pitch what he does on the training ground how he lives his life all of those kind of things Mikel arteta is a former teammate of exactly. emmy martinez so they didn't make the decision to let him go simply based on what he did after lockdown, which was great. They did it with the full knowledge of everything that led up to that, the circumstances, the fact that perhaps there are no fans in the ground, and also the fact that Aston Villa offered us a shitload of money for a player mm. who a few months previously would not have got uh, anywhere near that kind of value. So, you know, I think we have to look at it through that context and and try and find the wider context in why that decision was made and as Leno I thought the interview afterwards last night was quite funny wasn't it yeah right, just as you said I am the number one I will always be number <laughs> one you know he uh, there was no like look Emmy did great and you know it was it was uh, fantastic to see Emmy do so well it was like nah I'm number one I've always been number one and now it's up to me to prove it he didn't you know suggest that he's going to sit on his laurels he literally said my job is to prove that every week and he did that last night Absolutely, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if Emmy Martinez going is the sacrifice Arsenal had to make in order to further strengthen the squad, I think people will definitely make their peace with that if 
it happens. If, if it happens. We have to do that whole strengthening the squad thing first, though, before we can uh, yeah. have that soften the blow a little bit for the people who loved Emmy. And look, you know, it's no slide on Emmy Martinez or anything like it. But Just quick, quick thing. Yeah. I mean, are you worried that maybe old uh, Runa Runason isn't great and that might be part of the selection? Or do you buy what Mikhail said yesterday? I suppose you have to take it a bit on face value. You know, he hadn't played... Uh, you know, like a- anyone else in France, hadn't played since March. So chances are he was uh, maybe a bit less sharp than he needed to be. And I think if you are a, a second-choice goalkeeper, if you are moving to a club where, with all due respect to Dijon, the standards are higher and the expectations are higher and the pressure is higher, maybe you do need more than, you know, two weeks of training when you've been brought in towards the end of a transfer window to get yourself ready. So I will take it on face value uh, from Mikel Arteta. Um, I can't make any judgment on him as a player because I've literally never seen him play and until such time as we do or or until such time as I do and see him pull on an Arsenal shirt and perform I'm not going to sit here and make any uh, judgments on on him as a player but I do think it's pretty clear that there's a very established number one and a very established number two at Arsenal right now in much the same way as there was before lockdown Mm, so we're back to where we were that's true that's true, except I think maybe the the gulf is even bigger. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not even sure that um you know, Runarsson's guaranteed to play the cup games, the Europa League games, for example. No. I mean I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if when the Europa League rolls around Bernd Leno's playing those games, and I've got absolutely no problem with that if that is the case. Mm. What about the rest of the team selection? We had uh, Granit Xhaka captaining the side, there's a thing. When you consider yes. what happened basically a year ago, on. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the selection was particularly strong in the middle of the park. I mean, mm. you know, it was Shaka and Sabios, wasn't it? Which I think a tells you that you know Arteta probably wanted to put out a competitive side in this game, but b tells you he's pretty short of options. I mm. mean. You know, if you're not going to select Lucas Torreira, who seems to be headed out, or Matteo Guendouzi for, for different reasons, mm. you've basically got Shaka, Sabayos and Elneny as your central midfield options. I mean, you've got Joe Willock who can play there, but he seems more comfortable in advanced areas at times. Um, you've got Maitland-Niles who you don't seem to want to play there. Uh, well, I mean, can yeah. we put that to bed? Can we put the idea of Ainsley Maitland-Niles as a central midfielder to bed? Because it's one of those things that goes around, and I don't really understand why, because he's, uh, what has he played there for us? Twice? Somewhere? Mm-hmm. Although, you know, the, the entire time uh, at Arsenal, you know, his career has been playing as a, a left-back or a wing-back or a right-back or a right-wing-back. Occasionally in the front three, uh, a couple of games last season under Unai Emery, but he's never been played as a central midfielder. Maybe he's somebody who could do a job there, but I don't know that he, he's someone we should be talking about as an option because, you know, sort of like talking about David Luiz as an option for central midfield when, you know, he's not, even though he, you know, has played there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd say to that is that, funnily enough, in this kind of left wing-back role, he, he kind of ends up operating in that space more mm. than he ever has, you know. He, yep. he kind of becomes the auxiliary central midfielder. And, and it was Bukayo Saka um, who was doing that job ostensibly yesterday. But I thought it was interesting. He played it a lot more narrow, right? He felt like he was more part of the midfield yesterday. Right. Well, yeah, he... I was looking at the formation when it when the game started and it, it looked very much like a back four. It looked more mm. like a back four 
than the back three, mm. um, particularly when you looked at where Saka was taking up positions early on. He was very, very central, wasn't he? Um, yeah. He and doesn't, quite advanced stuff. Yeah, and he doesn't... I don't mean Saka here, I mean Arteta. He doesn't really expand on kind of what he's thinking in terms of formation when he when he's asked yeah. about it a bit. Did which you see is the press conference yesterday? I didn't see the press conference, no. So I've read it, but you can ah, give me well, your thoughts on this. So yeah, James Penge uh, of Football.London asked him, a great question, you know, what formation were you playing tonight? Uh, which, you know, I think probably needs to be asked to become more often because it is a fascinating question. And he completely batted it away, Arteta. He kind of laughed and said, well, you know, we make little changes game by game to the system to see, you know, how we can, you know, you know make ourselves stronger against an opponent. But he, he basically wouldn't answer it. And I think that's because... He knows he's got a relatively good thing going um, with this kind of system that he makes little, uh, kind of gets under the hub of it, makes little tweaks to. And, and the biggest tweaks often, I think, come around that kind of left wing back position, mm. which either, you know, can be a third central midfield player or can be more of a left back or can operate, you know, overlapping. There's all sorts of things he can get to do. And I agree with you that more than ever uh, yesterday or more than for some time, it felt like we were playing with a back four shape and Saka as part of that midfield three. Yeah. Um, and, and he said specifically, Arteta, you know, we worked on some stuff based on Monday night. You know, they saw yeah. things on Monday that they were able to exploit and it was quite effective. I mean, interesting as well that he put Pepe on that flank, you know? Yes. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, um, what what did you make of his performance? Because I looked at him and was looking at a player who, I, I don't know, he feels like a player who's short of confidence. And it's it's kind of easy to understand why that might be the case because he's not playing as regularly as he did last season. He finished the season strongly, but has lost his place. And we had this discussion on Monday, so I don't want to go over old ground again in terms of, of everything else. But you, you look at a game like this and think, okay, do something, you know, create something, score something. There were a couple of moments, I think, where he looked... Okay, but in general, I, 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 you know, like most of the Arsenal team, I suppose, he, he didn't really do anything that particularly eye-catching. I think Leno was by far and away our best player. There was nobody outfield who particularly stood out. I don't think I, we might come to Gabriel now in a second, who I thought was good as well. But, but in general, nobody really stood out as, as an outfield player. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I thought Pepe, he looked dangerous in moments, but I think thus far he has been a player kind of of moments at Arsenal. Mm. I, I think we, we have to give him a bit of a break because I don't think this is the role where he's most comfortable, but I think it should be a role that's an option for him. And I think that the way Arsenal has structured that left-sided attacker you know, is is the one that has more freedom generally and, and greater opportunity to get in behind. Um, I mean, he was involved in our early chance, which I think we probably could have taken the lead from, yeah. which came to Eddie Nketiah in the end. That was actually a pretty decent move. Yeah, it was a good move. Good pass from Willock to Nketiah. And, you know, um, yeah, he didn't make the most of that. He should have hit that first time, yeah. I think. Um, he did really well, Joe Willock, actually, because it was kind of under his feet a bit and he was travelling at speed. And I thought that was a good piece of play to find Nketiah at the front post. Yeah, it was good. Um, but like you say, at, at Anfield, and we said this before, you get 
few chances. You've got to do better with the yeah. chances that you take. But again, one of the things that struck me about the way that we played, you know, we have to acknowledge that Liverpool were on top. Um, they they For uh, sure. they were better than us. Uh, they had more shots than us, more chances than us. The fact that Leno was man of the match and he made all those saves tells you, you know, the story. You know, you don't need to go into the nuts and bolts of that. But we did see an Arsenal team that was trying to play in a specific way, even under pressure. There were moments, you know, I've lost count of the amount of times we worked it out from the back and we did that thing where the ball came to Xhaka with his uh, back to the midfield and he just played it out to um, to the left-hand side, either, either to Saka or to Kolasinac. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is a very, very structured, deliberate pattern. He's not even looking. He doesn't need to look because he knows where his teammate is supposed to be. So that is an interesting aspect to the way that we played, even if we didn't really cause Liverpool too many problems. Yeah, I mean, we had the old kind of uh, shots issue that we had, you know, mm. on Monday night as well. We were conceding a lot more attempts on goal than we made. But I did think, and, and granted, this wasn't full-strength Liverpool or anything like it, and it enabled us to have a bit more possession and a bigger foothold in the game. But I agree with you that defensively, you know, given that it was quite a heavily rotated team, we looked pretty solid. And I thought Gabriel was a, a really positive part of that. Yeah, I agree. I thought, you know, the minutes will have done him good. Um, he looks a bit more comfortable, a bit more assured on the ball and within the system that we're using. Um, you know, he's playing with Kalasinac outside him, who had a couple of moments last night, which were uh, a bit iffy, it's fair to say. Mm. Um, uh, and again... I suppose helped a little bit by the fact that he's got in Sabias and Shaka two players out of him who are willing to to take the ball. I did notice him try and play the long pass a few times as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was on because Liverpool defend increasingly high, don't they? So there's often space mm. in behind. It is interesting. I do think he, you know, that central role in a... Well, like we say, it was more of a four at times yesterday. But I, I basically feel that he and Louise do seem to be competing for the same place at the moment. I mean, Rob Holding plays all the games, right? He's yeah. played all six games this season now. Quite incredible for a player who, um, who who seems to be headed out the door. Probably the William Saliba situation has something to do with that, but I'm sure we'll get to that in, in the questions. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on Saliba in, in the questions. Um, I mean, what else is there to say about this game? Um, just, I mean, a succession of quite good Bernd Leno saves, really, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, the one from Van Dijk, I thought, was particularly good. That was very low down. Yeah. And then there was the one where, I forget who had the attempt. I think it was Gruich, the midfield uh, with a header, where Leno almost seemed to dive early and the ball almost looped over him, but he managed to get a hand up to it. That was yeah. actually a pretty decent save in the end. I think well, Paul Merson called it a worldie. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was a very good save and he did make good saves uh, throughout. And it, it has been a, a feature of his tenure that, that, you know, we've been a, he's been a very busy goalkeeper. And I yeah. think he's at his best when he is a busy goalkeeper. Um, so as long as we have these issues defensively and allowing as many shots as we do, uh, he is going to, He's going to be important and also look good, hopefully, because he can make he can make saves. So penalties, penalty shootout. Mm. Um, yes, the old penalties are a lottery. It's a lottery. 
slaughter. You've got no control over penalties whatsoever. You know, <laughs> there's just no way that you can do anything about the result of a penalty shootout. You can't show it's your in the lap of the gods. Yeah, you can't show your character or your technique or your nerve. Hold your metal and uh, do it under pressure. I think what's um, what's quite interesting is penalty shootouts without fans. Yeah, is it must be more, a factor. More goals are scored. Is is that true? It feels like it, it does, doesn't, it? doesn't mean, it? Didn't Milan have a penalty shootout last night that went to twenty four takers or something? Yeah, twenty. Really? No, there were twenty. Yeah, AC Milan threw after a remarkable twenty four penalty shootout, and there was one recently uh, where keepers took. I think it might have been in this competition in the Carabao. I feel like having watched, you know, Arsenal in a few shootouts down the years. We're seeing penalties scored more. Mm. Uh, may, may, and it'd be interesting to look into, but it does feel that way. And it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, you know, everybody knows uh, that players practice penalties. They're very technically capable of scoring them. It's the psychological factors that that impede upon them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're seeing that borne out but very good penalties from Arsenal for the most part yeah. yesterday I'm just trying to go through the takers so first up it was Lacazette good penalty who I was nervous about to be honest based on, on it was that goal at the other end at the same end that he missed the chance but yeah very good penalty yeah then Cedric Suarez good penalty like good keeper, penalty. keeper I mean I, I tell you what's a, a sign of good penalty for me is if the keeper goes the right way and he still has no chance of getting near it um, yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't. You know, I, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Cedric fan in the world, but that was a really good penalty because Adrian went the right way at full stretch, and he was still miles from the ball. So that's you know that tells yeah. you how how well he placed that. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was you know competent on the night, absolutely fine. Um, El Neni, not a great penalty. No, one of those which is easy for the goalkeeper. You know, hit at the right height, um, nowhere near the, the, the corner or, or wherever. So, yeah, poor but one. But then, then. Then. The great, the, the, the phenomenal Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I, I've been working on this. Been working on this. <clears throat> Going to do it for you now, okay? <clears throat> okay? This is my impression of Ainsley Maitland-Niles taking a penalty. You ready? Yeah. Scored. (laughs) That's exactly it. You've captured the tone of it perfectly. Thank you. I'm very proud of that one. Uh, I mean, what a dude. Uh, incredible. He couldn't help but laugh. And neither could I on my sofa. I was laughing at the audacity of it. The 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 camera on him as he was coming up, I would love to see, like, you know, one of those where they do a documentary on someone like Zidane and they have yeah. these, like, pitched level cameras and it's shot in grainy 35 millimeter film and you can see all the off the ball work that a player does or a tackle flying in or whatever it is and it looks all gritty and realistic i want to see that footage of ainsley maitland niles sauntering up to take the penalty singing away to himself 
He was going mm. walk along, go, and then just the the run up, the execution. It looks so casual, but it's just clinical in the end. It, it's yeah. unbelievably enjoyable to watch this guy take penalties. You know, particularly at a time when. In football, we are analyzing the ever-loving shite out of every single thing, good, bad, or indifferent. To have this one thing that is just like, it's just amazing. Even the Mug Smasher was texting me going, Jesus, that guy, he's got some skills. It's incredible. It's because he has, he seems to have no pulse, basically. (laughs) The guy is so ice uh, cool. And, you know, I think it leads to him his body language being misinterpreted Mm. sometimes. And I think Arteta had his own, you know, issues and concerns about that. But (laughs) in a penalty shootout, that's exactly what you want. The quote actually from Arteta was brilliant, where he was like, I nearly had a heart attack watching him go up to take it. But, you know... And then what did he say? He said, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's an immaculate penalty. I'd make him our penalty taker all the time. I just want to see that as many times as possible, to be honest. Oh, me too. Me too. It is unbelievable. I love it. I love everything about it. So... Um, um, yeah, and then, of course, uh, Leno saved a couple, didn't he? Saved from uh, Divock Origi and uh, Harry Wilson. And it put... Uh, and then Joe Willock with, to be honest, another <laughs> quite bizarre run-up, wouldn't you say? I would, yeah. It was it was a bit strange. He sort of did like a semicircle and then... You know, it looked like he was going to take it left-footed. That's what I... Yeah, I was going, come on, Joe, you're not Santi Gazzola, relax. <laughs> or like a Rabona penalty or something. <laughs> uh and yeah, I mean, not. I think he rightfully looked a little bit embarrassed by the way it went over the line. But listen, I like the confidence of Granite Xhaka, who seemed to be already celebrating that was, when the ball went in. <laughs> that was funny, wasn't it? Because everyone else was just standing there, and Xhaka was on his way from the like from the uh, the line of players in the in the centre circle. I, look, here's the thing, right? Uh, El Neni took a bad penalty, and Adrian saved it. Wilson and Origi took bad penalties or poor penalties and Leno saved them. Um, Willock took a pretty poor penalty, but Adrian failed to make the save. So, you know, let's give credit where it's due to our goalkeeper. Uh, It's it's easy to say sometimes that penalties are missed rather than goalkeepers save them. And I think they were more misses than saves, Mm. all of them. Mm. But, you know, you still have to get down there and you still have to... um, you still have to keep the ball out of the net. And Adrian got a touch, but not enough. So, tough titty. Um, he, yeah, I mean, they really enjoyed it as well, didn't they? They really, they really... Football is like winning. They love it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I, I, what did you make of um, what Mikel Arteta said afterwards? Um, something along the lines of, um, this is a this is a big step forward, and we have a lot of things to learn from an exceptional team like Liverpool. But we're we're on the right path. I mean, as much as we say it's only Carabao Cup, we kind of yeah. got away with it. We we're a little bit lucky. We had to rely on our goalkeeper. Um, the players are just like, well, we've beaten Liverpool for the third time mm-hmm. in the last four meetings. Yeah. You know, even if you can, as a player, acknowledge, and you probably have to (laughs) acknowledge the fact that there is a a difference in quality, just the simple fact of winning the games gives you confidence, right? 
Look, three out of four against the champions isn't bad. And granted, a couple were on penalties, but we're showing that we can hang with them, you know, on a on a relatively consistent basis, which feels like progress, especially. You know, this game was at Anfield. I mean, I went into this thinking the score could be anything, really, yeah. in either direction. And um, But, you know, if, we, if we'd if been beaten 3-0 last night, I probably would have shrugged my shoulders and gone, oh, well, it's the Carabao. But we come away with a really positive result and it'll improve the confidence of the team. It'll improve their belief in the manager. Yeah. It's, you know, when you when you win these games, it's great. And I do think, you know, I, I always remember the first trophy that, that uh, Guardiola won when he came into Man City was this competition, the League Cup. And I know Arteta's already got the FA Cup under his belt, but being in the quarterfinals mm. now, I think he'll have an eye on that final. I think he'll think, you know, what would it do for the resurgence of Arsenal if I could add another piece of silverware in February? You know, I think that that will be on the agenda. Exactly. Get our Europa League place absolutely sorted out by February. Take the pressure off and then it helps us, you know, get into the Champions League. Simple as that. That's how we do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's how we do it. OK, well, look, we are going to take a little break here. We're going to come back with your questions and more in part two. We've also got the winners of our competition from last week's Arscast uh, T-shirt competition. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up right after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where I don't fuck up the intro and in which we ask you to give us questions on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog, even though I forgot to do it again. Sorry about that. And on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. Before we get into questions on last week's Arsecast, I asked you a question to win a t-shirt from 44t.com, uh, an Arsenal t-shirt of your choice. The question was, um, it was something to do with 29 years ago, we signed somebody who went on to become the club's leading goal scorer. James, I'm sure you got the answer. Uh, 29 years ago. Mm. I, I, I'm struggling actually doing that maths. 29, no, Ian Wright. Ian yeah, Wright. there you go. Ian Wright. A surprising right. number of people plumped for Thierry Henry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But uh, unfortunately, you guys are all wrong. Lots of you got Ian Wright right. And the winners of the T-shirts are Declan Malone and Eugene Ridson. Well done to you guys. I'll be on to you to get your details. We'll get the prizes sent out to you. Uh, for the rest of you, if you want to buy the T-shirts, you can get a discount 
discount uh, at 44t.com. 10% off by using the code arsblog at checkout. That's 44t.com, T-double-E, as in T-shirt. Uh, so there you go, 44t.com. Thank you to those guys for the prizes, and uh, we'll have more competitions on the podcast soon. Right, time to get into the questions, and a big one, James. Um, we're, we're starting with William Saliba. It's a big talking point. Lewis, Lewis Ambrose, uh, says Saliba could turn out to be a top-class centre-half eventually, and we'll all be happy. But right now, given our, given our financial situation and lack of other deals, how do you feel about the prospect that we spent £27 million on him only to not use him for at least two years? And this comes in um, the wake of stories that potentially we might be uh, looking to loan him back to France. Yes, I think uh, it seems that Arsenal are open to that possibility, um, which is a surprise. You know, I think given the manner in which he arrived and some of the hype about him. And I have to say, I watched Saliba play uh, several times last season, once in person in the flesh and basically watched him and only him for 90 minutes Mm. against Monaco. I thought he looked really, really good. And I thought he looked like a player who could come in and certainly push for a first-team place at Arsenal this season. So I don't have an anxiety of, like, this guy's crap. Do you know what I mean? I I don't feel like there's nothing there because I've seen it. Um, What I do think is it's pretty clear that they feel he's not ready and that his development hasn't been what it might have been over the past Mm. six months or a year. And I think when you look at the situation and you look at, A, the fact that he's had a couple of quite big injuries. B, obviously, it's been the pandemic and the cessation of the French League. Uh, He didn't get through a full season there for multiple reasons. And, you know, as Arteta alluded to yesterday, there is a a personal element to this. You know, I think David Ornstein reported earlier this summer he'd suffered uh, personal trauma, lost someone very close to him. And maybe all these things Mm. kind of combine just to sort of create a situation that maybe... (sighs) They feel they don't want to rush him. I mean, yeah. it's it's um, look, it's it's a little bit frustrating given the amount of money that we've paid for him. But if he comes back in twelve months and you know eventually we get the player we hope he is, then all will be forgiven. You know. Mm. What yeah, do you think? I like. I, were you surprised that he wasn't involved last night? Um, I was surprised he wasn't involved in the 18, I have to say. Right. I thought he would be, I thought he would travel with the squad even for that experience, you know? I can't say that I was particularly surprised. I think if you look back at what Mikel Arteta has said about William Saliba since he was first asked about him. Yeah, uh, it's been pretty consistent. It's been, it's, the message has basically been, cam your tits here, please, because this guy potentially is a very good player but we have to be cautious with him we have to make sure that he's integrated properly um you know he's he's basically done everything he can to play down the hype and the expectation that comes mm-hmm. with a 28 million pound price tag and that's not something that Saliba has any control over but of course it informs what people expect from him and what they think about him Um, But Arteta's message all the time is like, this is a guy for the future. He's a guy for the future. Let's not put too much on him now, etc., etc. So I think Arteta's been really consistent 
in what he's said about Saliba. So I wasn't that surprised when he wasn't involved. I think now we have to look at him for what he is and who he is and not how much he cost. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you're right. They must view him as not ready. If they thought he was ready for Carabao Cup, they would play him or they would include him in the in the squad. Um, I think perhaps the fact that we've drawn Leicester and Liverpool in the Carabao Cup as opposed to, you know, a lower league team or somebody like that has yeah. had a little bit of an impact here as well. You might be worried about, um, you know, if a player is that good, if he does have that amount of potential, is Arsenal not the best place for him to realise it, you know? Um Mm. I would have a little bit of a concern about that. And I think... What do, you, what do you mean by that? I mean that you can justify a loan and say this is the right thing for him right now at his development. And I, I you know, I'm, I've said this before. He's 19 years of age and a central mm. defender. There are very, very few 19-year-old central defenders playing at the top level in England. Almost mm. none. Very few of them around the world playing at the sort of level that Arsenal aspire to be anyway. So I think we have to be really realistic about that. But what I mean maybe is that, you know, if he is the 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 kind of superstar, potential superstar that he was touted to be when we paid a, f- a fucking load of money for him. Yeah, yeah. You know... That his development can only come elsewhere is just a little bit of a nagging doubt in the back of my mind. And I'm not saying he won't make it. And I'm not saying he can't be a good player for us in the future. And I can see all the logic in giving him regular game time where he can play and he can develop and he can learn the game and he can grow and mature physically. Because even though he's a big guy, uh, you know, at 19, you're still coming together, if you like. So I can Mm. see all that. But it just is a little bit of a doubt in the back of my mind. I wonder as well, maybe, you know, about the deal and whether right. whether the deal was a good deal for Arsenal to do based on the the financial situation at the club. What could you have done with 30 million quid in terms of midfield or maybe even a defender who was potentially, you know, Premier League ready? Um, so yeah, I mean, the reason you I, spend thirty million quid on a player that you're not going to get for a yeah. year is because you think they're going to be worth more. Do you know what I mean? Down the line, and yeah, and if you were buying Saliba this summer after the season he had at Saint Etienne, yeah. I'm not sure he'd cost more. If he if he goes out on loan to Rennes or wherever else it is. You know, he's not. He's, I'd be surprised he comes back a forty million pound player. So mm. you know, it's a really long wait for that investment to come good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I I would say, uh, again, to make it very clear, I hope that he can become the player that we want him to be. If sending him on loan is how we get him to the level where we need him to be, I'm okay with that. You know, if if this is managing his future and managing his present correctly to get Arsenal a really good player... I'm absolutely okay with it. I think it it could be the right thing for him. It could be the right thing for us. I cannot help but have serious questions, though, about the deal, about the outlay on him until such time as we see him playing for us on on a regular basis. I think that's... I don't think that's unreasonable. Again, I'm not saying that it has anything to do with him. I'm questioning the people who made that deal 
um, over a year, year and a half ago now, where he barely played for for Saint Etienne, and we're paying twenty eight million pounds for an eighteen year old. We get excited about that because very often people view price tag as commensurate with talent um, or, or a player's readiness. That's clearly not the case. If down the line twenty eight million pounds looks an absolute bargain for William Saliba, I'll take my hat off. I'll eat all the humble pie you want. For now, though. It's difficult to argue that it was a, a good deal. Mm, mm. Because, you know, we're, we are a club who are operating under certain financial considerations, mm. you know, restrictions. And you know, like you say, we could potentially have used that money on a player who would have improved the first team in yeah. the short term. So I completely agree with you on that front. I, I, I really am optimistic that Saliba will come good in time, but whether it's kind of soon enough to make that a sensible purchase... Yeah, that's exactly question. That is exactly it, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's have another question. Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, this was an interesting one. Um, yes, Oli Tucker said, if we are to assume or hope that Arsenal are being run smarter these days... They'll surely have backup options to our and party, but we've barely heard anything about other possible deals. Mm. Are you worried we haven't heard about potential alternative options? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. There was a good question on the Discord from Marty who said, are there any other midfielders in world football other than our and party? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know... Not according to my Twitter mentions. I don't think so. I I think the only other player that we've heard about uh, in terms of backup is Jorginho. Can uh, I say, mm, that feels like uh, an Arsenal signing to me. I know, me too. Do you know what I mean? It's It's got a real whack of, oh God, I don't want this to happen, so it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't think he's a bad player. Oh, no, no, say. no, I don't either. But I mean, if you're looking for, what are you looking for? He's not Thomas Partey. And he's not... And he's not... Uh, our. He, he, he's kind of, you know... He he does the Shaka Sabayos job, you know, of kind of keeping it moving and yeah. I mean, he is good. Uh, He's a good good footballer. There's no question about that. And uh, it's just it would be a bit yeah, be underwhelming, uh, wouldn't it? It would be a bit underwhelming. He's also 28, which is you know an age where it's like oh, we're not getting any return on that. Probably we go again. Um, you know, it feels a bit David Luizy. I think it's basically the reason that it feels not great as a prospect um, and I think he is on the list I think he is a, an option is that uh, you know it's a cast off isn't it it feels like a cast off from a competitor and they uh, another never feel one. great another yeah. one yeah but the only thing I would offer in mitigation as you know I've got some ties to Chelsea through my brother um he rates Georgina very highly. I mean, there was a lot of crap last season about like he's made a million passes and made no assists. I don't know if you remember that, but like, no. <laughs> but that's not really his game. You know, he he is someone who's a really good possession player and also someone who you know Guardiola and Man City really really wanted um, and didn't get. So it wouldn't surprise me if Arteta is a bit of a fan. Uh, nevertheless, you know, if you offered me. Thomas Partey, for me, Hussein Moir, you know, they are more exciting signings, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, is he is he kind of like a polished Shaka in a way, a bit more mobile? Yeah, probably less physical than Shaka, um, but... Slash clumsy. Like, yeah, but a, probably a, a broader range of passing. Um, 
and ability to move the ball at more speed, basically. Uh, you know, he's, he's super technically gifted. Uh, takes a lovely penalty as well. Mm. Um, but not a player who will... Uh, not a player who will sort of do a, a, a different job, I think, to anyone that we've necessarily got. Like, he, yeah. he might, he could be maybe an upgrade on what we've got. He's certainly a better player than El Nenny in that position. Yeah. But he's not the link between the midfield and the attack, you know, that, that we're looking for. And he's not someone who is going to beat people on the dribble. Mm. So maybe a bit more of the same if he arrives. Yeah, so to sum it up, yes, I am a bit worried that we haven't heard. Um, I haven't heard more about potential midfield replacements if the players that we want aren't coming in. And of course, we are heading into the final days yeah. of the transfer window. We, we've said this all along that it is going to go down to the wire with a lot of these deals, that a, a lot of stuff is going to come together. What What... Let's talk about Awa and Partey a little bit, or certainly Awa, who it it felt like it was really close this week, and I was told by somebody very reliable that um, it, it's kind of all but done. Um, mm. But of course, until it goes through, there are potential snags and hitches and perhaps interest from other clubs. You know, it's always interesting when you're after a Leon player, and as it gets closer and closer the entire world seems to want to make bids for this particular player. I don't know what that mm. could be. Um, but what's your thoughts on on his potential arrival? Didn't the guy at Leon say everything has to be done by today or nobody's going? Yeah, and shout out to Constant Strider on Twitter who basically asked us what our predictions are for the final few days of the window. I mean, the difficulty with this deal is that it's Leon and that it's Olas. And... You know, Edu, Arteta, Hasfami, they do want this player, but they have never negotiated really, uh, you know, mm. particularly Edu with this guy before. And he is tricky and it is difficult. And, you know, the goalpost can move late in the day. Um, I think Leon's, from what I understand, Leon, Leon's need for cash has been slightly overplayed. Like it, they need it kind of by next summer, not necessarily by now. Um, so oh, that's fine. We'll just... pay them then. It's great. <laughs> well, that's reportedly what PSG are offering to do. I don't know if you've saw, seen those reports coming out of Lequipe yeah. last night. The story is that Lequipe, uh, PSG would like to sign OR in a year's time um, and basically pay for him then because it would help them get around FFP regulations. Um, clearly this guy is now the number one target but we are really close now so it's just very difficult to say whether we'll get this over the line I mean I I, I said on Monday I think that I was really optimistic about it and I, I do still have that optimism just because when I hear the noises out of Leon, it doesn't feel an insurmountable gap it feels like Arsenal are sort of in the 40 million euro bracket and Leon wants it to be in the 50 million euro bracket and for all the financial problems that are besetting the club at the moment 10 million euros it feels like something we might be able to find it's still quite a lot of money you know we get this weird thing with 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 transfers where enormous amounts of money are deemed sort of slightly in insignificant <laughs> uh, you know it'd be a lot of money only, to me it's only 10 million it's only 10 you know and I know what you're saying and it's like if you need the player if you want the player push the boat out get the money get it in get it done I, I know all that but we do have to remember that <laughs> those are fairly big chunks of money all the same I yeah. I, I yeah I remain confident about our 
whether we do party as well, I don't know. I think it really depends on what else we do um, and whether we can sell some players that we don't want anymore. Um, but as we've said, it's proving very difficult, isn't it, to to find buyers? Yeah, I mean, what did you make of the news? And a few people asked about this, you know, of Lucas Torreira seemingly joining Atletico on loan. Do you find that frustrating? Um... I think it's the reality of the market, unfortunately. I just think it's so hard, especially in Europe, to find people with 30 million euros. Well, I, I think that's the thing in Europe. Um, Sheffield, United, Sheffield United are buying Rianne Brewster from Liverpool for a fee yeah. reportedly 23 20 million. million. Yeah. What the... F- like, how do Liverpool keep doing this? What fucking magic do they possess that they can the of sell these they've got a head of sales we need to steal their head of sales <laughs> oh my god like i mean they do it all the time this is here look at this promising youngster he has never played a game for us he has never scored a goal he has never made <laughs> he will never assist. score again if it's dominic <laughs> he has got one leg he's blind in one eye and he keeps falling over oh how much 40 million mm. brilliant i don't know how the fuck they do it it's it's incredible it's incredible. It so that's that's the market. That is the the market, you know. Uh, but that's maybe a Premier League market. Um, I think we. So we should be trying to sell Torreira to like Burnley or something. Or, exactly. You know, and can we, can we sell Ganduzi to Aston Villa for forty million quid? Or well, they like just that? bought in Ross Barkley. I think that ship has sailed, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. yeah. Look, it is frustrating, isn't it? When when some clubs seem to be able to to do the kind of business that they do, and we struggle. But um, Torreira to Atletico on loan. Uh, look, ideally, you'd want to sell. But if there is no sale and there's nobody willing to pay for him, even though there were some Italian clubs apparently willing to do that, mm. um, A, I would say this. It depends on how much the loan fee is. Yeah. Um, and loan fees can be not insubstantial. I know that when we were looking for Perisic on loan for six months, there was talk of you know having to pay somewhere in the region of five to six million five pounds million, for that. Yeah. You know, so... It's possible that you could still send someone on loan and bring in an okay amount of money or some money that will boost the coffers that might help you get something done. Um, And maybe next year the market is in a better place or he's great for Atletico and they really want to buy him or whatever it might be. So it's not ideal. But then I think most of the business that we're going to do between now and Monday night, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be loans for the most part. Yeah. And, and the other thing to say about loans, I mean, look, of course, I'd rather Arsenal could get big transfer fees for these players. But, you know, Torreira's salary, what's that going to be per year? Three or four million, it could be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that, yeah. that does go back into the pot, potentially. And that makes a difference. Um I mean, what are your predictions? Who Do you, do you feel like we're going to shift a few out? It. it it's been so difficult, and, and I think we may be... Yeah, the Brewster thing, sure, but it does feel like the Premier League is kind of a, a, a rule unto itself mm. a little bit financially at the moment. Yeah, it's it's so difficult to predict. I mean, you look at Kolasinach last night, put in the kind of performance that pretty much assured his Arsenal future. Um, <laughs> I, I think genuinely, you know, from, from what I understand, finding someone who can cover his salary is, is really difficult. Yeah, um, and he wants and so, to stay. Yeah, yeah, he's happy. So he's happy enough to stay. I think you're going to look at Torreira going for sure. 
I think I think Enduzi will still go somewhere because clearly that situation is not getting any better. If there was a if there was a chance of re- uh, rehabilitation or a chance of um, repairing what's gone wrong, he would have been involved in a game like last night, even on the bench. You know, mm. um, it, it it suggests we want to move him on. Do you, do you think that will change after the deadline? Do you think these players who've been a bit frozen out after the deadline, Arteta will go, okay, you're here till January now? Or do you think he'll hold firm? Don't know. I mean... Might depend how who he can get in, because he might end up needing people. Well, that is the thing. He might have to be pragmatic or he might be forced into playing some players that he wouldn't want to play normally. But what's clear is he does not want to play Ganduzi. Doesn't want to give him any game time for whatever reason. Um, so... If he doesn't have to play him, I don't think he will. Mm. Which means you've got a player sitting around training, doing fuck all, um, which is not ideal, which is why I think he will go. We had a question here. Let me see if I can find it. And this sort of ties in a little bit to our our transfer stuff. Um, It comes from... Yes. uh, Be excited. Who's that? Eroyas AFC, who says, what did you make of uh, Reed Nelson? He says, but that's autocorrect. Damn you, autocorrect. Reese Nelson, not getting minutes at all. Do you guys mm. think he's off on a loan or a sale? Because surely he was a better option to play from the right than Joe Willock. I think he's off on a loan. I do. I, mm. I, I mean, we know he's available. It was strange that he didn't get any game time at all, I thought, a little bit. I mean, we went for more experienced players from the bench for the most part. But, yeah, I think he's off on a loan. And when you actually look at the composition of our squad, I think that is, you know, a risk that we can afford to take. Um, We have players for both flanks, you know, who, Mm. who can cover there. And I think it's what he needs. Is that what you think as well? It would be a rational explanation as to why he wasn't in the team ahead of Joe Willock, who isn't really a right-sided attacker. You know, um, he can play in those advanced roles and he does like to get in the box, but it's usually from a more central position. Um, So I do think that the fact that he wasn't involved is a way of, you know, ensuring that, that, you know, he doesn't pick up an injury or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, then Kalasinac played in fairness and he's been linked away so maybe there's yeah. a maybe that's a sign that he's not going anywhere yeah possibly I mean the other thing on Reese Nelson is you know there is also Emil Smith-Rowe to consider who is back in full training now and will either I guess you know take up one of those attacking spots in the squad or, or could be someone who gets loaned out themselves mm. So, yeah, there's so much, I mean, to happen. And and to be honest, when it gets this late in the window and it's as relatively uh, quiet, like it doesn't feel like there are five deals about to happen. You know what I mean? No. It it would take a pretty dramatic final few days for Arsenal to do all the business they'd like to do. Particularly when you consider that we're going from a Carabao Cup game on Thursday to a league game against Sheffield United on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of stuff can go on in the background. I know a lot of stuff can get done at the last minute, but it really does feel like this is going to be the biggest last minute window, transfer window from Arsenal Um Maybe since the the one in which Arteta himself arrived, 
Yeah, since 2011. It, it really could be. Different circumstances, of... obviously, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a, a fascinating... Um, uh, kind of as a social, particularly on social media, the reaction to the transfer window this summer, I think, has been really interesting. I don't know if you've noticed it, but it feels like the kind of fervour around transfers is greater than ever. And so I'm expecting Monday to be a pretty crazy day. Yeah, we are going to do, as ever, our transfer deadline day live blog over on our blog news. news. So we'll be putting in a, a hefty, lengthy shift because I think it's a, it's a late night uh, deadline, isn't it? Oh, I actually don't know. Sorry about that. Transfer deadline. Let's have a look. October 5th, isn't it? Yeah. Um, e- yes. 11pm. Oh, wow. for fuck's sake, 11pm. Get Andrew Allen to do the late shift. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it does feel like a lot could happen on that day. Um, and there are other potential loan moves as well. And I wouldn't 100% rule out loan signings either no you know I think if we push the boat out and we get our for example and we spend the money on him I'm not sure there's much wiggle room to do anything else unless we get a massive bid for a player and we we rake in some cash and we can sort of square it off against a potential incoming deal so Mm, mm, mm. well let's hope the buyers come out of the woodwork Mm. um you know we need that to happen but yeah yeah it's going to be interesting and the other thing to say is that like you know Arteta I think actually I don't know what I'm saying here Andrew cut that bit no I refuse to cut it that's oh, fine no. no it's absolutely fine it's okay to lose your train of thought James people need to realise that we are just human we are too. human too yeah we are just two sometimes two guys we just don't know what we're saying exactly Exactly. Um, I think that could be part of the charm. I don't know, but let's see. Have you got any left? Have you got one left? or? Uh, yeah, I did actually. We're looking forward to the weekend. Let's have a look at this. Mark Nellis on the Discord says, has Gabriel done enough to be ahead of Louise for the Sheffield United match? Uh, His long passing seems to be just as effective. He's a bit quicker, so he can make up for holding sluggishness. He even looked good playing with Kalasnach. It's a good question. I don't know that his long passing is quite the same as David Luiz, who is really good at that. You know, that's a real strength in his game. Um, has he done enough? Look, I'm I'm ready for the future. I'm ready to see um, a new, improved, youthful-looking Arsenal defence with Gabriel and Tierney. We did have a question as well from somebody who said... Um, uh, see this is how well prepared we are uh, Gaz Edwards at GazEd87 said heard you say Louise and Gabriel can't play in the same team wouldn't it be good to see Gabriel play left centre back with Louise in the middle and Tierney at left wing back so we have options it is an option yeah I think you know it would be it'd be asking a lot of Gabriel to play it like Tierney plays it that's all I would say yeah um but yeah, it's it, it'd be intriguing. I mean, you know, if you if you're thinking, how do I get my best defenders on the pitch? You know, that is a way. The other thing of prospect is, I know Louise prefers the left side, but could you play Gabriel and Louise in, in something more like a four? Um, that's also a possibility. So mm. we shall see. I think he is the future. So at some point in the course of the season, he will be getting the nod and the seniority because. You know, the chances are Dev Lewis won't be here in 12 months' time. Very true. Um, Andrew McClure on the Discord says, Morning, guys. What would your ideal Europa League group be? I don't even know who we can draw. 
No. It's taking- My ideal is yeah. trips that aren't very far for the team's sake. Mm. Um, you know, so just, you know, local. Keep Be- it local. Belgium, Holland and Scotland or something like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Isle of Wight. Is there a team in the Europa League from the Isle of Wight? Isle of Man, Isle of Man Rovers. You could play them. Uh, but I suppose I, I'm, I'm not bothered about, like, you know, it is the Europa League group stage. There's going to be some crap teams in it. I'm not, like, looking for a glamour tie at this point in the competition. I want the teams where we can rotate heavily, you know? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think that's uh, an important part of keeping the the squad happy and developing some of our our young players. Right, we have um, we have to go. We have to go. There's a lot going on today. Um, you've got to go. I've got to go. But I want to say thank you to everybody as always for listening. Thank you for being here. We will have an Arscast extra on Monday, hopefully mm-hmm. discussing our win over Sheffield United uh, in the Premier League on Sunday. All change again, I guess, or a lot of change again in terms of the team there. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Mm. Um, plenty of changes. Maybe not in central midfield. I don't know, but I wonder if Shaq and Sabas might play again. You never know. Okay, we'll see what happens on Sunday. We'll be here on Monday, of course, and we're going to have something for Patreon members on Tuesday, a sort of discussion about the transfer window, what we've got, what we have, what we hold, the state of the squad. We'll do that on Tuesday for Patreon members as well. So until then, folks, have yourselves a great weekend. Until the next one. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.